leading us in worship. It really is wonderful. It's good to be back. Uh, I, I was speaking to Jabu, and he says, for him, it felt like I was gone forever. For me, it felt really short. Uh, um, but uh, really great to be uh, here again in the presence of the Lord and being able to share God's Word. Why don't you open your Bibles in First Peter chapter 1, and we will be reading from verse 13 to verse 25. First Peter chapter 1, 13 to 25. This is what the word of the Lord says. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest <clears throat> in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and in all its glory like the flowers, like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Oh Lord, as we start another year in the beginning, um, there are maybe so many dreams and aspirations and expectations and start. And I pray that in each of our hearts, to be holy may be one of them, Lord. To, to be more and more like Christ. To grow in, in our in sanctification. So would you please help us? Please speak to me, Lord. I'm in so in need of this word. So help each one of us. Speak to us tonight. Please use me. You alone speak, Lord. I ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Right. Um, 
For how many was last year a tough year? Put up your hand quickly. Oh, okay, many. <laughs> Most of us, right? It was, a, it was a, a difficult year, a lot going on. And we you know, uh, seen many memes, We're not sure what 2022 is going to be like. Um, but it was uh, a difficult um, it was a, a difficult year. A lot, a lot has happened. And um, just to go a little bit in terms of the context of First Peter, even though it doesn't even compare to to what is uh, what has happened, the church in Rome, Peter is writing to believers who are being persecuted, and it's a very hectic persecution under Nero and. and um, they are afraid for their lives, and, and there is a lot going on, Christians being killed. And it is a really difficult circumstances uh, for the church, for the believers. Um, and so it is in, in this context that First Peter arrives. And the first part of chapter 1 is kind of reminding them of the great salvation and through this chapter 1, you will see that word imperishable constantly appears. And it's just to say, listen, what you're experiencing right now, what all the difficulty and the persecution and all the suffering that you're going through right now, you know, there's something better awaiting for you. There is something imperishable, many blessings. And, and we, even as we carry on, the, this word is going to come up over and over again of imperishable blessings and, and this um, great salvation that we have in Christ. But straight after that, there is this section that is about holiness. Now, for me, it is interesting, um, you know, and God inspired His Word, but if you think about it, it almost seems like in a context of a lot of persecution, Holiness might not have been at the top of priority, you know, in the sense that, like, maybe Peter could have uh, started with, um, you know, just practical ways of comforting one another, uh, or, you know, just, you know, but holiness. And it's in, in the middle of persecution and difficulty and suffering that it's like, you need to be holy. The Romans are killing you, but you need to be holy. And so, as we go through this, we're going to see how Peter, through various ways, motivates this call to be holy. And the first thing that he says is prepare your minds. Also unexpected in a sense. He starts with the therefore, and so this therefore is just saying the light of the blessings of Christ and of salvation that he's just mentioned in the beginning of chapter 1. In light of that, being reminded of that, prepare your minds for action and be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Prepare your mind for action. Isn't that interesting? He, he starts with this. When talking about holies, holiness, 
It's not even with the heart. It's, it's saying prepare your mind. Now, in the original language, this, this, um, uh, this phrase here is it's actually um, gird up the loins of your mind. What is gird up the loins of your mind? What, what is gird up the loins? So gird up the loins was basically the, a saying of be ready. And the gird up the loins was, they, they used to wear dresses, you know, like the, the clothes were long. I, I was actually very tempted. I bought a kind of a, a dress in India, but I was going to look very much like a Muslim. <laughs> uh, so if someone was going to scroll and then see, uh, who's that Muslim with a beard preaching at Central Baptist? So I decided against it. Um, but they had long dresses, and so gird up the loins was they would put the dress between the legs and, uh, and then around both legs, and it was uh, a way of getting ready for action, for war, or, or an activity that required agility. And so that, is, that, that action of getting yourself ready, and he uses this expression, prepare your minds, gird up the loins of your mind, and be sober-minded. What, what does this at least tell us? He, he's saying, be vigilant, be prepared. Your mind needs to be active and ready, not a lazy mind. You need to be ready for action. And isn't it interesting that uh, sometimes I, it's unfortunate that in the 21st century, in the larger evangelical world, it seems that engaging the mind is sometimes often seen as uh, not, uh, it's not something that we want. No, it, it, if, you, if you engage the mind too much, you're going to just be cold. But no, our minds need to be ready for action, being sober-minded. In the midst of the persecution that they are facing, with their minds ready, being intelligent, uh, having, having their, their minds ready, being sober-minded. Now, how? how? How are they supposed to be sober-minded? Next Sentence tells setting your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Christ. So that's how they're going to do that. Setting their hopes with with your mind ready. We heard it this morning. The being ready to give an account. We as as Christians, our our minds cannot be lazy. Minds. In order for us to strive for holiness, we ought to be with ready minds, sober-minded. But secondly, he tells us, Peter tells them to be who they truly are, to be who you are. Look at the next motivation from verse 14 to 16. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passion of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conducts, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, it starts with this 
words, as obedient children. See what he's doing there? He's reminding them of who, who they are and what they must, how they must behave as obedient children. Peter is wanting them to live according to their true identity, reminding them of, of this. And Paul does a similar thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 from 9 to 11. He says, Or do you not know that the, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of doing. So Paul is doing the same thing Peter is doing. He's, he's contrasting. He's, he's saying, before you, you were like this, don't act like before. You as obedient children, be holy. Remember who you truly are. Remember your own identity. Now as a... As a Father, and I'm sure the parents here will, will identify with this. You know, sometimes Levi will start moaning and, and being all, um, you know, irritating. You know? And then I'll say, Levi, but you're not like that. You're a happy child. You know? And so um, I'm like saying to them, saying to him, you're not like that. Don't be like that. You're not like that. Live according to your identity. <laughs> and that's what, what Peter is saying. As obedient children, be holy. Do not live as in your former conduct, your former ignorance, those evil uh, worldly passions. As obedient children, be holy. Be holy. Now, just briefly, in the Bible, the word holy has two main meanings. And it is morally perfect, morally perfect, and set apart. In other words, God is holy in that, yes, He is he's morally perfect. In Him there is no shadow of darkness. But He is also holy in, in the sense that He is unique. There is no one like Him. He is completely set apart. He is in a completely different level. And, and, and that's briefly what... What, the holy, what holy means. And what the Bible is calling us to be is both end. Because who's the standard? Just as the Father who called you is holy, you must be holy. God is the standard of holiness. And we must be holy in accordance to that bar. It is, we often sometimes will start, you know, doing good things. You know, I, I, I go to church, I, I serve, I do the prayer meetings. Then you start looking at the brother. That brother only appears on Sundays and he comes late. I am holier than him. But that's not the bar. That's not the bar. God say, I'm the bar. Now, when you compare yourself to the bar, then you'll be like Isaiah. Oh, woe is me. I'm a sinner. That's the bar. God has called us to be holy, for He is holy. God is the bar. But also, this 
this phrase that Peter gives us, in all your conduct, you must be holy in all your conduct. It is extremely practical, if you think about it. It's extremely practical because it says, you're as holy as a, a believer, as set apart, as redeemed by God, as someone who has been bought and washed by the blood of the Lamb, your life in all that you do, your conduct needs to be set apart, needs to be separate, needs to be different, needs to be Christ-like. And that means that practically, if your life looks like the life of an unbeliever, there is something absolutely wrong. Because they not holy, for sure. But we ought to be holy, different, set apart in all that we do. There should be a, a, a clear distinction between us believers and those that are not believers. Because he's saying it's in all your conduct. Not just inside the church, not, not when you just meet with a pastor or when you ask him for a prayer request. Every time, in all your conduct, be holy. And so he's saying, because of who God is, as the Father who called you, that bar of holiness, that's your aim. Not looking at your brother. Because when you're looking at the brother... It, what happens is you can either get proud in saying, well, I'm holier than him because he's not doing all these things. That's just self-righteousness. Or you can actually get so depressed because you look at the brother and it's like, man, that person is in, in the prayer meetings and is so kind and, and, and visits people and sends encouraging words and sends verses. And then you just feel like, am I even saved? <laughs> But that's the thing. You're not supposed to be looking at one another. God is the bar. That's the standard of holiness. The next kind of motivation that Peter gives regarding uh, us being holy is that of there will be judgment. Look at verse 17. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. So I'm not going to spend too much time on this. You must listen to this morning's sermon again. <laughs> and um, just regarding judgment. But this is the point that Peter is trying to convey. If God judges impartially, Trade carefully. If, if God judges impartially, trade carefully. Watch out how you live, how, you, how you're going to behave, how you're going to be conduct, because there will be judgment. And so he's, he's pointing out, listen, there will be judgment, so you better watch out how you live, how you conduct your life. We're reminded in 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Living in light of judgment would lead us to conduct ourselves carefully, and it should lead us to holiness. Carrying on with that to, to verse 18. 
The next motivation is remember the precious sacrifice. Verse 18, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable, there's that word again, things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Um, I, I think I've told this story before, but probably not all of you have, have heard it. You know, we, um, in, in Peru, we, uh, there was one day um, we, we went to a restaurant on Sundays. My mom had this rule that she wouldn't cook on Sundays. So we used to go to the same restaurant uh, every Sunday. And my brother and I said, what is the craziest thing that is, there is in the menu? And then the, uh, the waiter said, uh, cow's brain. And then we, we were like, oh, yeah, okay, let's get it. And, you know, we all excited. And then my mom's like, okay, this is expensive. Just ask for one. If you like it, then you can ask for another one. Um, like, no, no, we're going to eat. So we asked for two plates and it tasted terrible, like a mushroom texture with a mayonnaise gone bad, something like that. It's just, um, it, was, it was terrible. But... My mom said, this costs money, and we, I told you, you're going to eat everything. You're going to clean that plate. It costs money, so you're going to eat everything. And this is in a, in a very um, small way. What Peter is saying here, look at how precious was that sacrifice. How precious the blood of Jesus that was poured out for you. Remember how precious this was. How can you be living in any way? You must be holy. Look at how amazing and precious was the sacrifice. And, and he puts the sacrifice so precious and he compares it with the biggest, um, you know, kind of currency at that time, silver or gold. It's not, not even things like that, like silver or gold that perish. The precious blood of Christ Jesus, that's how you're washed. Remember that sacrifice. And... and and this, this is a great motivation for holiness. If, if you get the gospel, if you get what he did for us, that, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one who never sinned, the perfect law keeper, law keeper, he was punished and the full wrath of God was poured out on him for you, for you, for you. Do you understand that? It, it was for you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were not coming halfway. It wasn't like I was going, taking my steps, and Jesus says, okay, I'll die for him, and I'll, I'll cleanse him. No, you were rebelling against him. And while you were still sinners, Christ died for us, look at verse 20. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. 
Now, can you see what an amazing sacrifice that is, that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the creator of everything, will die on the cross for us, for me, a sinner. Can you see how precious this is? And how can we live not being holy? How can we live a life in any manner? That's the motivation. Remember the precious sacrifice. Remember that. But then lastly, it is through His Word that He'll make us holy. Through His Word. Verse 23 to 25. Since you have been born again, not of perishable, there it is again, seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. For all the flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flowers of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. So he continues to describe the amazing work of Christ in verse 23. And it says, this, his word remains forever. It says in John, in John 17, 17, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. How will you become holier in 2022? Through his word. Spend time in his word. Memorize the word of God Spend time reading and, and meditating on the Word of God. And, and I wanted to, just very practically, I wanted to give you some very practical tools. And there's a lot of young guys here. And, and just a couple of questions that can help you understand the Bible better. And as, as you read, it's like, who is writing? To whom is this being written? What is the intention of the writer? What, what is he talking about? How does this apply to my life? And so read, meditate on the Word, eat the Word, may the Word of God become like honey for each one of us. But it's not enough just to know the Word of God. We need to submit to the Word of God. I was... I read a quote today, and it's quite, quite as strong, and I was debating, should I or should I not say it, but I'm going to um, quote this uh, Grant Castleberry. It says, Satan knows Scripture, liberal scholars know Scripture, knowledge without application is dangerous to the soul. Indeed, to study God's Word without love for God and application towards holiness is to be part of Satan's kingdom and not, and not Christ's. And so we need to not just eat the word, read, but we need to submit and, and live it out. But just lastly, verse 25 says, And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Remember, remember the gospel. If I, I was not a proper Baptist tonight, there were more than three points but, but did you, if you forgot all the other points, remember this point. Remember the gospel. Go back to the gospel constantly. One of my favorite uh, quotes from, uh, from Spurgeon is this. The most important daily habit we can possess is to remind ourselves of the gospel. 
It's constantly, we, we, we go to the cross, we go back to what Christ has done, see that we, we are sinners and he saved us by his grace and his mercy. I want to serve, I want to live for you, my Savior. I want to live for you, my Master. As we contemplate and, and, and meditate in the good news, drive us towards holiness. So I, I really pray that each one of us, starting with me, I told Melissa as, as we were driving here, it's like this sermon for tonight is primarily for me. Yeah. And so let us, let us pray. Lord, we want to be holy. We want to be like you. We confess our shortcomings, our failures. <clears throat> we confess that we often um, really mess up, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you because all our sins, all our sins, past, present, and future, were taken by Christ on the cross. And there is no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, out of uh, devotion, gratitude, out of fear of judgment, may you help us to live a holy life. Lord, may, may the members and adherents of Central Baptist be miles different from those people in the world. That the, the light of Christ will shine brightly in our lives, Lord. We, we ask you for this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.